0: On this day in 1996, this year's Olympic torch was carried through Nashville by none other than Billy Ray Cyrus. Cyrus is a US singer-songwriter who influenced uh, was influenced by his Pentecostal grandfather who had a love of gospel and bluegrass and realised he wanted to become a muso after attending a Neil Diamond concert. His debut album, Some Gave All, from 1992, was the biggest-selling album from that year and had this song here, which is called, Connor... I keep breaking heart, but... <laughs> Yeah. Thanks to the video of the song there was an explosion of line dancing into the mainstream becoming a craze but reviewing for the Village Voice in December of 92, Robert Christgau was critical of Cyrus for over singing like Michael Bolton at a Roth Perot rally but approved Cyrus's macho self-mockery, concluding that with time, he may become a 21st century of Waylon Jennings.
1: Uh, <laughs> wow, that's <It's> so cruel. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. uh, but in 2006, some gave all ranked number 33 in Q magazine's list of the 50 worst albums ever. H- he's not that bad, is he, Connor? Billy Ray Cyrus.
2: Uh, I don't know. Every every musician has their time, don't they? I mean, yeah. I'd probably prefer Neil Diamond than than um, Mr. Cyrus. But his
0: daughter's actually quite a good singer. She's pretty yeah, Yes, Miley. Miley. Miley Cyrus. Absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah. absolutely. A bit yeah. of talent in that family. Yes, indeed. Uh, so there we have it. Uh, on this day, the Olympic torch carried by Billy Ray Cyrus, twenty-five to five. The panel uh, in Z National. A survey of Christchurch Girls High School students has uncovered widespread sexual harassment outside the school and 20 cases of rape. It revealed 60% has been, had been harassed, including groping or verbal abuse. Since the survey was released, it's been reported by the New Zealand Herald, police will be meeting with students to discuss support available. Earlier this year, we invited uh, Sophia Harrison and Ella Lamont on the show to speak about their own survey which looked into sexual assaults in Wellington CBD. They are both members of the newly formed Wellington Alliance Against Sexual Violence, and Sophia is with me now. Kia ora, Sophia. Kia ora. What do you make of this survey from Christchurch Girls High? Well,
3: Ella and I both went to school in Christchurch, and as right. sad as well, yeah. And as sad as well as angering it is to say, these things haven't really changed since we've been there. Like the storylines are so similar to the stuff we heard of, we experienced, and we saw.
0: So, do, the, do these results uh, surprise you at all?
3: Um, well, as we've talked on previous um, on previous radio NZ interviews, it is incredibly sad to say, but these results aren't really surprising they just further kind of show the patterns of sexual violence and rape culture in New Zealand.
1: It's so normalised, isn't it, Sophia? I I mean, I suspect that if you uh, ran a survey like this at any school, you might end up with the same results.
3: Yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah. Mm.
0: And what do you make of the media and social media response to these findings, Sophia?
3: Um, well, it is great to see people talking on this issue as it is a discussion that is much needed and can be brought forth and discussed further through things such as social media. But um, I do find it interesting to see in social media responses a large amount of talk on young women preventing their own assaults mm. rather mm. than looking at education, educating <clears throat> largely males to not sexually assault
1: because we do a million things every day to keep ourselves safe in the way that we exactly. don't go out, or when we do go out, we go out in pairs or groups. So, you know, we do constantly, women are constantly trying to keep themselves safe. And it seems so bizarre that the attention isn't on the potential perpetrators, that it's the, um, largely the perpetrators are young and older men um, in this survey. Uh, and that's where the action has to happen, Sophia? Yeah, definitely.
0: I'm yep. just looking, I'll just bring you in Connor very, very shortly. I'm just looking at some of the uh, some of the examples of comments made by the participants in this Christchurch Girls High School uh, sexual harassment survey. I mean, quite extraordinary stuff, really. Uh, but as you say, Sophia, you know, they, they don't come as a surprise. Uh, here, here's one, a man came up, came up to me and came out when I was 11 and tried bribing me so that he could touch, uh, touch my butt. But then he said, uh, but then when he said uh, no, when I said no, He kept insisting and got closer, but then left me alone. uh, Getting body comments, says another, about my breasts, calling me names, unwanted touching, catcalling. Another one here was walking alone, a car full of old and male teens, followed, yelling a few things like, uh, nice butt, let me see what's underneath. The first time going past, they just turned around and screamed at me and just continued to drive. So these are quite quite extraordinary examples, Sophia, of just, as uh, Michelle says, the normalisation of, uh, of, of sexual harassment.
3: Yeah, definitely. And these things happen so much. And I have definitely found that today it's so normalised to have, for example, somebody come and grab your bum or somebody yell at you on the street. And we start to think, especially um, as females or female-presenting people, that it's just a normal thing to happen, when in reality it shouldn't be normal.
1: Yeah, and you know, quite often when you first speak out about it, people say, "Oh, wolf whistling—that's a compliment." It's, uh, but it's at the beginning of a spectrum that says you're not—that you are um, an an object to be commented upon rather than a human being who's allowed to go about her day. Connor, yeah, definitely. Yeah, well,
2: I think that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, as humans, we all deserve to be respected for whether we're male, female, or whatever our sexual orientation might be. Uh, and there needs to be some boundaries, actually. Um, and You know, I've got half a dozen kids and half of them are male and the other half are female. Um, and not only do you, should you be respected by others, but you need to respect yourself. Um, <clears throat> and one of the things I think is challenging for people today, and maybe it's not much different than in, in, in days gone by, is, you know, social media and there's drugs and alcohol and peer pressure and the environment in which in which these kids are in is... Um, you know, it's pretty challenging to navigate through, and it's and it's not easy. But I think it should be crystal clear to people where the boundaries are, uh, and in particular to teenage boys, they need to know about you know what is consent and what isn't consent. They need to know what they should and shouldn't do. And part of the problem, I think, is that on TV it, it is normalised, isn't it? And in a lot of the movies, it's normalised, uh, and and perhaps in you know other parts of society, it's it, it's normalised. But it it should be very straightforward about what's appropriate and what's not and yeah. I don't think and, it is
1: And Connor you're absolutely right, the key is that it's young men that need to um, have that message made really
0: clearly to them yeah, Any on this. Uh, no, keep going, Connor, sorry. Yeah, no, well,
2: I, th- I think it is, and I know that, you know, our boys are at a, a school here in Wellington, and they went through some sort of 10-week programme where they had people coming along and talking about it, and, and I think, um, you know, our guests here are dead right. It, it does need to be a conversation about it, because when people do get into these situations and there is a bad outcome, it can absolutely destroy people's lives, a- and, um, you know, you want to avoid that if you possibly can. So, um,
0: so yeah, you know. finally, just bring you in again. I mean, uh, n- nonetheless, uh, I mean, they're sort of quite extraordinary, uh, pretty shocking. This uh, actually very shocking. These uh, latest survey findings. Nonetheless, are you hopeful of some change or not?
3: Um, well, when looking at and dealing with these issues of sexual violence, I feel like it, it's sometimes something that, it, like, you feel very hopeless of change as it's such. It's an issue that has been. Very terrible for so long, but when looking at it from a wider perspective, just seeing the topic of sexual violence being talked about is a huge change and a huge step forward. Although it's not, you know, the whole it's not going to be the solution to everything. It is a step in the right direction. So I am, in that way, I am hopeful.
0: Right. Kiara Sophia, appreciate you being on the panel with us today. Uh, that is uh, Sophia Harrison, um, a member of the newly formed Wellington Alliance Against Sexual Violence. Um, my daughter hated going for a run in New Zealand. Man, boys, driving but yelling out comments to her. She hasn't had this at all in Australia.
1: Wow, that's interesting.
0: Uh, I'm 53 and have experienced and normalised this kind of harassment since I was about 11. Yeah. Uh, Linda says, the results, the report rather on sexual assault does not surprise me at all, this has been going on and it's not changed from when I was at high school 40 years ago.
1: Same, yep yeah, 1970s, you know, reading, reading the stories from the girls in that survey is very familiar. It's exactly mm. what's been going on for a very long time.
2: It's it's an experimental age, though, isn't it? You know, those teenage years, and you won't run into a parent in New Zealand who says it's not a challenging time, um, you know, trying to help navigate through those those years. So, uh, But I think it does add to the complexity with all the social media and just the peer pressure that comes on people.
0: Uh, it is 17 to 5. The panel uh, is in National. Thank you for your responses this afternoon. Uh, I really appreciate them uh, from all the uh, from all the topics this afternoon. Now to this, completely different. Is the truth out there? In a just-released report, the US government has said it is no explanation for unidentified objects, but it has stopped short of ruling out aliens. As the New York Times reports, this is likely to fuel theories already out there about unexplained Aerial phenomena. So that's the new word, not UFOs, but rather uh, UAPs or unexplained aerial phenomena. So, with us now is Professor Craig Roger from the Department of Physics at Otago University to share his thoughts. Professor Roger Kiota. Kia Good to talk to you. It's lovely to have you on. And this has actually been, for, in some quarters, quite a much-awaited uh, report because it's, 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 it's an official document um, from the Pentagon, but quite widely reported too, The Guardian, New York Times and others. What does the report tell us? The truth is out there.
4: Well, I, I, think, I think we can conclude that the truth is out there, but it doesn't tell us very much else, honestly. <laughs> um, the truth is out there, but what is really going on? I mean, this document, and, and as you say, it's an official U.S. government report. It's a nine-page PDF of which about four and a half pages have real written words on them. There isn't <laughs> actually a great deal of detail in there other than they recognize that something is happening and they don't really know what it is.
0: Yeah, and looking at something that's happening, it actually, it actually part, parts of it made quite interesting reading. Uh, you know, the the sort of phenomena of uh, objects moving uh, extraordinarily fast and going and uh, going, uh, flying in ways that hasn't been seen before. I mean, is there any evidence really uh, for UAPs? Let's not call them UFOs.
4: Well, I think that's what, what we can conclude from the report, is that there are evidence of UAPs, that there is a number of potentially credible reports that something is happening that we don't understand. And the other thing that I think is really interesting from that report is a recognition that people have been discouraged from from providing this evidence, from putting forward what's going but telling people what they've seen. And that for multiple reasons, the... U.S. government and more so the U.S. military has recognised that that's a bad thing and that they need to look at this more seriously.
1: That's the bit that I find so fascinating. I've always thought that it was extraordinary hubris to think that in the whole universe we're the only sentient being, beings anywhere. But what has always been fascinating is the people being discouraged from talking about it, from, um, you know, telling their stories about being picked up by aliens and being probed. What is Absolutely. the psychology I mean, behind that? Mm-hmm. what, what
4: or the motivation um, I think I think when when the word comes from above that this makes you sound like you're a whack job, <laughs> um, you're really not going to report it and and look, years ago, I was in a field that um, we were interested in lightning that occurred above thunderstorms. and it turned out that airline pilots had been seeing these flashes of light high in the sky above thunderstorms for decades, but no one wanted to report it. Because the, the belief would be that they were on drugs. Right. You don't want your airline pilot to be on drugs, right? None of us do. So that's fine. And then it turned out that somebody was testing a scientific camera, and they just pointed it at the horizon and ran it overnight and recorded what was coming out of the camera on VHS, honestly. And then they discovered these flashes of light, like evidence for something that it turned out airline pilots had been reporting for years. So sometimes like you say there's the hubris and there's also the fear.
2: Ah, right Connor. Yes. Well, the universe is quite a big place. So it's sort of you know, I mean it's like a big car stuff. park, isn't it? And 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 a, and if you think you're the only car in the car park. You know, you might be deluding yourself. So, logic would tell you that there probably is someone else out there. That's probably the
0: best uh, description of UFOs in the universe I've ever heard. I love ever. That
1: the universe is a car we're park.
0: Not, we're not the only car in the car park. That's bloody I, I'm, I'm <laughs> entirely comfortable with that analogy.
4: Other than what we have to recognise is that the cars, as we understand it, are extraordinarily small and slow moving, and we haven't really explored, explored the car park in very much, and Anybody who can get around the car park properly, like in some sort of, you know, zippy little thing that allows them to move around, is at a technological level that is so
0: far beyond us that it's not funny. Does someone hear music? Are you playing that (laughs) Connor? No, it's just
1: you that can hear that, Wallace. Is that
0: that, that you, Professor Roger? None of us
1: can hear that. It's only you.
0: I can now. I can (laughs) now. That's weird. That's very (laughs) strange. And, of course,
4: look, this this is one of the reasons... Captain Spock. Why... Some of these people, and we're talking—I mean, most of these reports are coming from serious military uh, people, some of whom are aviators flying uh, planes worth tens, maybe hundreds of millions of dollars, being thought of as a fruitcake who believes in aliens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, is 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 not going to necessarily do your career any good. But at the same sense, you know, there are there are very, very many credible astronomers and astrobiologists who basically agree with the car park analogy Really, it's incredibly (laughs) unlikely that there's nobody anywhere Mm. out there it just seems unlikely that some of them have visited here, crashed and are locked in at the US government's basement (laughs) 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 Do you
1: think think, Craig maybe they come here, have a look at us and go oh oh, we can't do anything for them, what a disaster (laughs) and they bugger off again
4: Um, (laughs) The bit that I don't like about that is that These reports seem to come up quite often, so I don't really understand why you'd run a tourism operation where lots of people (laughs) would go, look at them and go, oh, they're hopeless, but don't worry, we'll send
0: another tour tomorrow.
1: Maybe Um, it's like a comedy tour. Come and see this world. mm. It's insane. They're crazy.
0: Uh, Ian, Ian. Ian Banks had a good theory. He says someone, he reckons there are many, many higher power beings out there but they are hiding themselves from us because we are too violent and self-destructive. Yeah. Um, but well, actually one, just on a, on a final note... Professor. sounds like the Prime Directive, doesn't it?
4: I mean, yeah. you know, we, we we need to advance further before we can be uh, welcomed into the society, the intergalactic society. I mean, like science fiction, they come up with a lot of good ideas.
0: Nice to have you on the program, Professor Roger. Appreciate it. Um... Lovely to have you on there. I I, I forgot to actually ask you just around the panel. Actually, Uh why don't don't I ask uh, the listeners, have you ever seen a UFO, Connor? Uh,
2: Well, we looked out our bedroom window this morning and saw a, a light just above the Wellington Harbour, and I think it is a satellite, actually, and it's been sitting there quite a lot. So I think we're going to see more stuff in the sky. Because it's just a lot more satellites.
0: I okay, think. so you have. Have you seen a UFO, Michelle?
1: Oh, look, if I was being really honest, I have been um, taken away and probed a couple of times, but I'm <laughs> have not, you? I don't want to tell people no. that because they'll think I'm a bit weird. Yeah. And, and at the moment, people think I'm a very <clears> sensible <throat> person.
0: And, 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 but you still, you still, do you still recall it? You still recall what happened? The moments of it, yeah. yeah. It's mostly
1: just the lights and the colours. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho. All right,
0: nine to five, the panel. <laughs> Uh, NZ National, uh, uh, quite a bit of feedback this afternoon, um, and a lot of regarding the, um, the 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 news that came out came out this today about the Christchurch Girls High School sexual harassment survey. Uh, Wallace, I'm 61 now, but I rest- recall an attempted rape at 15 when a boy took me home after a party. It was 1975. Hearing the same for girls in 2021 makes me want to cry. Hmm. You go, you cool girls at Christchurch Girls, says Linda Kia ora, Linda. Mm. Um, I went to a girls' school in Wellington 20 years ago. There was nowhere obvious to go and talk about sexual assault in those days. I had peers who had experienced serious assault and rape. I had no idea what to do about it. I was trusted to keep secrets. But with the hindsight of an adult, we needed needed, really stepped up, active encouragement to self-report and knowledge of what caring support was available. I hope things are better. Today's report is not surprising to me, but it's totally unacceptable.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that's a lot of women will be saying this is awful and not surprising and we have to find better ways of making attitudes towards women's autonomy different.
0: Mm. Uh, it is eight to five. Very shortly, we're going to be going to our small business segment. We do this every Monday uh, and we discuss, it came out of COVID when pe- businesses were really struggling and we've just continued it on. Uh, so we've done it for quite a while now. But just briefly on this, some weeks ba- back, uh, a letter a letter, in our dear panel asked what we thought of standing desks. Got a bit of response and his office was uh, drifting towards them. And yesterday, we received a link from a listener and I thought it could be a channel pat. Why standing desks are not the solution? Said this article, a growing body of research suggests that many of the benefits claimed by standing desk evangelists are overblown. Simply put, there's no substitute for a good old-fashioned desk where you sit down on. Uh, it was a biomedical doctor and researcher who happens to also be designing a treadmill desk, so there is that. But I thought around... <laughs> the- <laughs> so there's that, disclosure. But around the panel... Um, you're sitting right now, yes. Michelle, but would you prefer to be standing?
1: No, I wouldn't. Yeah. No, I always thought the standing desk idea was a weird thing because I um, have various members of the family who have jobs where they have to stand up, like they work in retail or whatever, and they've all got um, bunions and corns and well, that oh, sounds very rude. But standing oh, up all day point. in one place point. is clearly not good for you either. Um Bad feet, bad backs, bad legs, all of that. So
0: no thank you. Okay, yeah, Connor?
2: Well, you need to be able to do both. I like sitting down and I like standing. And, uh, you know, the thing you learn as you get a bit older is you need to keep moving. Yeah, And moving things, you know, just the way we hunch over our keyboards and that's not not good for us, so standing up, you know, helps stretch your body. And,
0: and, and Michelle, there's that too, isn't there? The, 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 the hours-long saga of sitting hunched at a desk. We need oh. to
1: do not just flexible working hours, but be flexible while we're working. Take breaks, stand up, move around, run up. I, you know, I've got a stationary bike in my office. So I run upstairs and make cups of tea. I'm not mm. saying I'm brilliant at any of this, but you've got to keep moving all, all the yeah. time. Because oh, we're, right. we're
2: very sedentary. Because yeah. we, we, we sit all day at work and then we go home and sit all night watching stupid TV programs. Well, some yes. people do. not all you know, stupid. it's just ridiculous, isn't it, <laughs> yeah. when you think but,
0: about
1: it. But Again, I feel seen today. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Finally, it's Monday time, so time for our small business segment where we give a bit of a, a shout-out to a local company doing cool things. Today we're talking to a family-run honey business. Hannah O'Brien from Hunt and Gather Bee Company is with us on the line. Hannah, kia ora thanks for having me on. When did you start the business? Why did you start this business?
5: <laughs> um, I, maybe a bit of uh, naivety. We started um, back in 2016. My husband, Rory, and I were um, I was teaching, and he was dairy farming, And we just, we wanted a change. So we, we started beekeeping. We thought, oh, look, this looks pretty easy. So we bought, um, we sold our house and bought 16 beehives and a ute and thought, cool, we're away, we'll make some honey this summer and we'll be, um, millionaires in no time. And, um, five years later, (laughs) we're, we're definitely not millionaires, but, um, yeah, we're loving it and it's a, it's a wonderful business. to to be
0: in. See to me Michelle that that defines small business bravery. Sell your house, buy a youth and 16 beehives.
1: Absolutely, it's (laughs) courageous and it's particularly courageous Hannah because I understand you're like me and you're allergic to bee venom.
5: Yeah so so ironically um, a a few weeks after we bought our beehives I I was um, eight and a half months pregnant and I got stung just driving in the car a bee flew in the window and stung me and yeah, half an hour later, I was in the back of an ambulance and shots adrenaline, and they thought I might go into labour and the whole deal, so it was um, a bit of a surprise. But on the upside, I was rubbish at beekeeping anyway, and now I don't have to do any heavy lifting or, you know, sweat it out in a bee suit in the summer. I just stick to the, <laughs> the, the marketing side, so it actually worked out really well.
2: Connor? Yeah, oh, look, I think it's great that, that, that um, you know, you've taken this risk to set up a business and, and you know, a start-up business, and I've, I've been through that myself. And when when if you do get to be more successful, people go, oh, it must have been easy. But actually, it's not, hmm. is it? You know, yeah. every day you're trying to, you know, get through the day, and, and when you go to bed at night, you're thinking, how, how am I going to pay for things um, tomorrow? So yeah. when people are successful, I don't think, you know... The, the wider population quite appreciate that the hard work and risk and stress that goes into people who do you know start businesses and get them to be successful
1: hannah can i ask what's special about your honey
5: so we have a real strong focus on three things in our business for us it's family we've got three young kids um, and we treat our our team although it's very small like our, our family so it's about looking after our people It's about looking after our bees, so we take really special care to do a number of things that mean our bees are really well looked after and really healthy, and it's about sustainability for us. So it's about being able to call the shots on our product, like our packaging, um, listening to to Kate earlier, um, being able to take back our jars Mm. and refill them and, um, Mm. and, and be in an industry that has a positive impact on the environment. So, yeah,
0: that, that's what's special about us. Right. And our Kanoka hunting is, is our main one. Ooh, seller. Uh, I'll sneak in the website too. It's huntandgatherbeco.com. Hannah Kiara, thank you very much. And that is us for today, Michelle. A court What and, a joy. Uh, oh, whoa, 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 everything today. And Conor cool, Cool, Mr. Tehotaka, Moteira, Kiapai, Poor. That's us for today. Have a great evening. See you tomorrow.